Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. I can't believe it's 4th of July. I think summer is finally showing up, which is a good thing. I was tired of the rain. I'm born and raised in Seattle, Washington, and I'm like, brother, I got enough, I got enough rain for lifetimes. I got enough rain for the millennium, you know. I don't need any more rain. I don't want no more rain. So the fact that it's going to be sunny and nice on this beautiful weekend, hopefully it's going to come out later today. I'm excited about it. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And we've been going through a series on the Holy Spirit, and we're going to continue that today. Some may say, hey, when are we going to like move on from this? Uh, we're going to move on when the Holy Spirit tells us to move on. <laughs> Yeah, our goal is that we, we want to lean into him. And, and, you know, I know that there's some people, man, they're such awesome communicators and preachers. They can map out their preaching calendar for the year. I usually find I get a good three-month window from the Lord on stuff. And then sometimes when you hit a pocket, man, you just got to stay there. You know, when you read the Word of God, you don't want to just read and walk away. You want to read and encounter God. And I find that sometimes when I'm reading the Word of God, it's literally like the Holy Spirit put an X on the page and is like, there's treasure here, dig. And so we feel like there's treasure here in what we're sharing on the Holy Spirit. So I just want to set up the text for you. If you're, if you're new to the Bible, um, totally welcome. Uh, I'm going to have a nice big Bible up on the screen for you. Um, if, you're, if you're already uh, uh, well-versed in the Bible, I want to encourage you today to really lean into what the Scriptures say about the Holy Spirit. Not to lean into what you know, right? Proverbs 3. We don't want to lean on what, what, I, what I understand. I want to lean on His understanding. So I, I don't care about what your denominational background was. Mine was Catholic. In the Catholic faith, it was like Father, Son, and Holy Bible, all right? The only time we said Holy Spirit was when we sang the doxology, right? And, and by the way, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. When you hear Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean he's third in line. Like, it's not like a level of importance. Like, there's the Father, he's the most important, and then there's Jesus, and then there's the Holy Spirit. No, like, the Holy Spirit is God. Can we all say that? The Holy Spirit is God. And if that's a new concept for you, I'm going to walk you through some scriptures today that is going to show you some things. So, John chapter 7, Jesus is with his disciples, and they're celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. Now, in, in, the Jewish, uh, in, in the Jewish faith, God set up, when he brought them out of Egypt, he set some things in place that would be a foreshadow of things to come, right? A few weeks ago, we talked about the tabernacle. God set up a, a portable church, the first portable church, if you will. That's the tabernacle. And then when they had a permanent location, that became known as the temple, okay? So the tabernacle, they had, we took you through that. They would set it up, and they would, tear, they would tear it down, and they would move around. And during that time, God set in place these seven feasts, and the feasts were to speak of things to come. God is a master foreshadower. So he had them celebrating these feasts for hundreds of, and hundreds, and hundreds, and hundreds of years. I'm talking like generations, like, like America is going to celebrate its 200 and whatever something, you know, birthday this, this week. That, that doesn't even come close to the amount of time that God walked with the, that God has been walking with the children of Israel. And when he set in place these feasts, these feasts spoke of what would happen that we see now in the New Testament. 
And so God set this up. So Jesus is celebrating with them the Feast of Tabernacles, and then it comes to the last day of the feast. Now, if you study Jewish, uh, if you study the, the, the Jewish faith and understand the feast of the Old Testament, you know that the last day of this particular feast, it's the greatest day. This is the day when the party breaks out, there's dancing, there's singing, there's shouting, there's laughing, there's eating, there's drinking, like this is the big party day. And so they're about to go down with the party day, and then Jesus says this. So on John chapter 7, verse 37, if you're there, say amen. All right. On that day, the great day of the feast, this is the eighth day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out. Other translations say in a loud voice. And he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So all these people are, they're, they're, they're partying. They're, they're, they're celebrating. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. They're there with their families, aunts, uncles. It's like a big old family reunion. Everybody's having a good time. And then Jesus gets up on a soapbox, if you will, and he yells to the crowd. He's like, if anyone thirsts, come to me. Come to me, like he's calling to them. Verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Can we say that together? Rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, so the Jewish people, they were well acquainted with that phrase, living waters. We read it, and we're like, you know, as, you know, born-again believers, we're like, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Back then, they knew the rivers of living water. They knew that that, that, that was speaking of the Spirit of God being poured out. Isaiah 55, verse 1, they would have been well acquainted with this. Come, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm the source of that. I'm the fountain of that. I, I, want, I want you to experience the flow of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 14.8 was talking about the day of the Lord. And, and it says, out of that day, on, on that day, out of Jerusalem, there's going to flow living waters. Ezekiel, the whole chapter of, of uh, 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 chapter 47 of Ezekiel, talks about a water of life that's going to come from the temple. So Jesus says, come. If you're thirsty, come. I'm going to give you drink. And I believe that God wants to release rivers of living water in your life and in this church. There is a prophetic word that God gave us back at the beginning of the year about wells of revival. And I had studied it out, and God said that he was opening up wells of revival in this area. Did you know that the area where we are physically seated today, there's actually these, these underground wells of incredible amounts of fresh water all over this area? All over. Wells of living water. God, God wants to birth wells of living water into us. So um, in, in, in Ezekiel 47, if you go and read that chapter, one, one of the benefits of the river of living water that would come would be that the trees that were growing, who had a root system that was tapped into that river of living water, it says they're going to they're gonna bear fruit, and actually their leaves would be used for healing. And it said they're not just going to bear fruit like trees like you and I know bear fruit. Like I grew up 
in Washington State. My grandparents lived in eastern Washington, and they had a pear orchard. So every Sunday, my parents would ship us kids out to go work my grandma and grandpa's farm, which we were kind of excited because grandma, you know, she, she was one of the subscribers. It was like the first Amazon. It was called the Schwann's Man. Did anybody remember the Schwann's Man? You would get deliveries from the Schwann's Man. And man, when Schwann's Man came down that driveway, and they lived at the end of this like country road in the middle of nowhere, and you would see the Schwann's Man truck coming, and like you start to salivate like Pavlov's dog, you know? Because we knew he was bringing goodies, and he would stack up. My grandma had this freezer, and then us kids, we would just go, and we'd get hot during the day, and we'd just go sneak some cookies and pops and everything else, and we'd come home like 10, 20 pounds heavier than when we left, you know? Parents are like, wow, have you grown? (laughs) It's only been two weeks. We're like, grandma's been feeding us good, mom, you know? So we, 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 (laughs) where was that going with that? Schwann's man. Yeah. Praise God foreshadowing. I don't know. Holy Spirit. (laughs) The fruit. Thank you. Thank you, Fawn. The fruit. We had the pear orchard, so we would pick the fruit. The point being that God wants to have fruit that doesn't just grow in one season of the year, but he wants us to have fruit that grows every single month. You read Ezekiel 47. It talks about every single month there would be fruit. Can I ask you, you've had seasons of fruitfulness. Wouldn't you like to enter into where you have months of fruitfulness, where it's like every month there's fruitfulness. Every month you get to the end of the month and you look back and you're like, wow, look what God did this month. Isn't that amazing? We do that with our kids. I actually keep a journal where every single day I just write one line of something going on that day. I'll journal other things in my quiet time with God, but every single day there's just one line and I just write a little bit of what God did. And at the end of the month, I review, man, look at all these cool things that we did or experienced or encountered or what God did. And, and then at the end of the year, before we close out, uh, at the end of our, our time celebrating the holidays, we'll take a mo- an evening as a family, we'll, we'll put on a fire and some Christmas music, and we'll sit down and we'll just recount the goodness of God all throughout the year, month by month, recalling the faithfulness of God. God wants to release rivers of living water in your life that you would bear fruit every single month. All right, so we're in part five of the series that we've been talking about, the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk to you from the subject of what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And uh, we've been going through and talking about the person, the power, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And you, you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. And so one of the first weeks, if you recall, we went through all these things about the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, if we have that next slide, the Holy Spirit, who, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a cloud, although he can take the form of a cloud. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling, although there's times where you and I feel the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're sitting here today and you felt the Holy Spirit during worship. One of our uh, kids kids workers today, one of our kids helpers, they talked about how they would come to church and, and they would feel the presence of God. And, and it was so strong that they would actually have to walk out at different times during the worship because they were just overwhelmed with emotions. And he's, in his words, he said, it was just like God was just washing me clean one Sunday after another in that time of worship. The Holy Spirit is not a mist. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has a personality. If you don't like mine, 
I'm sorry. It's the only one God gave me, all right? The Holy Spirit's personality is much better than mine, I promise you. The Holy Spirit is a character. The Holy Spirit has senses. The Holy Spirit has feelings. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I got saved, I I was really comfortable with this thing, this new thing called salvation. I was like, Man, I I got my get out of jail free card. Like that's how that's how I felt. Like I, like I'm playing Monopoly and I got the get out of jail free card in my back pocket all of a sudden. So it's like, man, I'm going to heaven. Praise God. And and I kept on living my life. And then the Holy Spirit, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at this time, would say, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to watch that. I, I'd just be alone. I'm getting ready to watch a movie, maybe some sort of inappropriate movie. And and the Lord would say. And I don't want you to watch this rated R movie. And then there was times the Lord's like, I don't want you to watch that PG-13 movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just, there, there was different things that the Lord began to speak to me about. And I became more aware of his presence. And sometimes we think like coming to church is going to be like, zap, bam, you got the Holy Spirit. You know, yes, you have the Holy Spirit, but there's also a process of you that the Lord wants to take you through. And just like he took the children of Israel out of Egypt, And then for 40 years, he spent time taking Egypt out of them. There's some times that you go through where you need to renew your mind. You have a spirit, soul, and a body. You're a tripart being, right? And a lot of times, what we do is we've been accustomed to making decisions based on our soul and our body. And the Holy Spirit, or or the the spirit man, is over here, and suddenly he comes alive. Now your spirit, or your soul, and your body has been in charge. So they don't want to listen to the spirit man. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you edify your spirit, man. You build him up to where you can conquer the lust of the flesh, temptation of the eyes, etc. So I was comfortable with Jesus. And then I I started going to a church and they started talking about water baptism. And I remember they did this, this whole message on water baptism and I had never heard something like that before. I was raised Catholic. I'm like, I was sprinkled. I was baptized as a kid. They're like, that's not, there's nowhere in the Bible that talked about baptizing kids. I said, well, but I was baptized. And they said, you were really dedicated. Like we dedicated children to the Lord today. That's so beautiful. But that's not water baptism. Why? Because as a baby, you don't don't have sin because you don't know what sin is. And you you have nothing to repent of. From what? Screaming for food? You know, when you're hungry? What? (laughs) Right? For, for, For a blowout diaper? I mean, what do you have to repent of as a kid? You know, there's not much, right? And so, so I heard this message about water baptism. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to be water baptized. And I was cool with that. And then I heard somebody talk about the Holy Spirit. And immediately, like, my walls went up. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you're sitting here today and you, 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 we're going through this series and we talk about the Holy Spirit and you're kind of like holding on to when we move on to another subject. But the Holy Spirit wants you to be comfortable with him. You know, we're getting into the election cycle. I don't know if you've seen it on the news yet. Um, but you're going to probably see more of it. And when you get into an election cycle in the United States of America, it used to be a little bit more civil than it is now. Now it is just like all-out hatred, smear campaigns, digging up whatever you can dig up to make that opponent look powerless, evil, horrific, all these different things. And so the candidates have people that are paying millions of dollars to help with a smear campaign against the person that they're up against. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit has had a smear campaign launched 
against him from the devil since day one. Like it's a tactic of the de- the tactic of the devil is to try to do this smear campaign of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can be good with salvation. That's great. Cool. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can get water baptized. That's fine. No, the devil's like you don't need to really repent to be baptized. You just be baptized. Get wet for Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you're going to be water baptized, you be, because it's the wedding band of Christianity. So if you're serious about your relationship, that means you're, you're, that means you're changing your status on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, like if I'm in a relationship, when Fawn and I started dating over 23 years ago, when we started dating, went on our first date, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to tell the world that she's mine. Like she's off the market, right? They could care less if I was off the market. But man, I wanted the world to know Fawn was off the market. She's mine, right? When you get water baptized, that's the wedding band of Christianity. You're saying, man, I identify with him. I am living for him. I'm turning. I'm repenting. I'm not going to walk in sin any longer. I am putting on a new man in Christ. The old me has been buried, and behold, all things have become new. And you're water baptized. Awesome. And then the Holy Spirit. And we go, I don't know. And so my goal in this series is to take it from, ah, I don't know, to what does the Bible say? Well, I heard from this one pastor, this one, I don't care what they said. What does the Bible say? Honestly, don't listen to me. Don't take my word for it. Go and study the scriptures. And when you study the scriptures out, you're going to see a few different things. And the Holy, the Holy Spirit is there to release power in your life. The Holy Spirit is there to lead and guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit is there really to make you more like Jesus. So the, the devil, he's fine with you getting saved and kind of living your life as long as you don't do anything and bring anybody with you. And he's kind of okay with you even getting baptized as long as you don't actually do anything with that baptism, actually start living out the faith. But man, when you get empowered by the Holy Spirit, he's against it. Why? Because he knows when you start walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna do what Jesus did. And if you do what Jesus did, that means my time's up on that person's life and that person's life and that street and that government and that school. God wants us as believers to know the Holy Spirit like we know Jesus. God wants us as believers to know the Holy Spirit like we know Jesus. The Holy Spirit's God. We've been talking about that the last few weeks. The Holy Spirit is a person. And just like you may know Jesus, God wants you to know the Holy Spirit. So we're going to unpack some of this today, and, and, and I want you to open your heart to the Scriptures, not to a communicator, to the Scriptures. John 16, 6-7, Jesus says this, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. What's he talking about? Jesus basically said, hey, I'm with you right now, but in a little while I'm going away. And they're like, what? Where are you going to go, Jesus? He's like, I'm going to go away. They're like, don't leave us. Look at, we're having revival, like revival, like, you know, all these people and like everywhere we go, like people are freaking out, man. You're like healing people, delivering people, the, the, the blind eyes are open, the, the, the deaf are hearing, the, the mute starts speaking, the dead kid rose, from, I mean, what the heck, what do you mean you're going to go away? We're just getting started. He goes, no, 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 it's actually better that I go away. He says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It's your advantage. 
For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who's the him? Him is the Holy Spirit. Him is a person. Him is not an it. Follow me? I like how it says it in, in the Amplified Version, John 16, verse 7. It says this, if I do not go away, the comforter, and then it amplifies it, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby. If I, if I don't go away, he will not come to you. When he says come to you in close fellowship with you. Like you guys have had close fellowship with me. We've walked, we've done all these different things. We've been camping out for three and a half years. We've been smelling each other, sitting around a fire, cooking, eating, all that kind of stuff. You, that close fellowship that you have with me, what you now, if I don't go away, then you can't have that with him. But if I go away, I'm going to send him to you, the Holy Spirit. And now, just like you have that close fellowship with me, now you're going to have that close fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's better for you. When, when Jesus was on the earth, the Holy Spirit was like locked down in Jesus' body. It says in different scriptures, it says the fullness of the Holy Spirit dwelt in Christ, okay? So Jesus gets baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and, and the Holy Spirit's on lockdown in Jesus, okay? Jesus had limitations of his body. He couldn't play, be at all places at once. The Holy Spirit can be all around the world with all the believers. All the believers that are gathered together today, all the amazing churches around the world that are preaching Jesus, lifting him up, that he's inhabiting the praises of his people all around the world. The Holy Spirit's showing up there in their midst, all around the world. He can meet with you at three o'clock in the morning when you can't get a hold of your friend or your pastor because he's sleeping. He, like you can get a hold of the Holy Spirit at three in the morning. That's why it's so important that you have the Holy Spirit. The, I mean, friends are great. Counsel is great. Pastors are great. No amens there. Okay, so I just messed <laughs> The Holy Spirit's better. The Holy Spirit's better. You can wake up and just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, and he's there. Just boom, right there. Holy Spirit, come. A lot of times when I wake up in the morning, start my day, get my cup of coffee, I just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Just begin to thank God. God, I love you so much. I love you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you. I love you so much. I was with my kids, and my boys were in Texas last week, and we had a little bit of a vacation, just the boys' time. And they went to this camp, and, and at the camp, um, uh, a, a pastor that we're in relationship with, he was up there, and he was talking to kids about the Holy Spirit, and, and he was sharing about praying in the Holy Spirit. And he, goes, he, he was saying to the kids, he goes, you know what? And this guy, he's 40 years old. He's an awesome guy. And he's saying, you know what? Sometimes I just wake up in the morning. I'm like, I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord. I love your stinking guts. I love you. I love your stinking guts. And all the kids would laugh. He goes, just try it. Just say, I love your stinking guts. He says, because I just love everything about the Lord. And the Lord became a father to him when his own father disowned him. He's like, I love you. Lord, I love your stinking guts. I love everything about you. Now you're going to leave church. It's going to be the one thing you remember. I love your stinking guts, Lord. I love your stinking, stinking guts. I love you. So Jesus said, it's better that I go away. So where's Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of the Father, okay? So when Jesus ascends into heaven, after the resurrection, he spends 40 days appearing and, and, and disappearing and appearing and coming and going and all this kind of stuff. And then at the end of the 40 days, he ascends into heaven, and it says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. When Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit was released to take his place in the lives of the believers. Uh, on our way back, my, my, my boys and I, we, we were in Texas, and they were hanging out seeing family, and, and my dad gave me his, his old pickup truck. 
And I just think there's something just awesome about a dad giving a pickup truck to a boy. It's like a dad giving uh, an old rifle to his son, you know? And so my dad's had this truck for years, and, and I was the one who laid claim to it. I'm like, whenever you, whenever you get rid of that, like, I, I want to be first in line, you know? And so we decided to drive it back to California, and we made a road trip out of it. And part of our travels, we went to the Grand Canyon. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's absolutely, like, majestic. I can't understand how people can go to some of the most beautiful areas of our world and not see God. Like, like, like it declares his goodness, his glory. I mean, my God, like the, the, the intentionality that he created this, knowing that I would be there just a few days ago, admiring the beauty that he created. And so we're looking at it and it's, you know, it's 277 miles long. And, and, and at its, at its main uh, plateau area, it's about 8,000 feet above sea level. On the bottom area, the basin is 2,000. And if you want to hike to the bottom, we pulled up, and I'm talking to the ranger. And I'm like, hey, is there any, I'm so naive. I'm like, is there any hikes that we can take, you know, down into the basin? I'm thinking we drive down and park and something like that. He's like, hikes. You know, he looked at me like I was an idiot, you know, made me feel really awesome. And he's like, hikes. Uh, if you were going to do that, you had to leave at like 5 in the morning. I'm like, oh, well, it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so I guess we're not doing that hike, boys. <laughs> And I'm, I'm like, tell me about the hike. And there's like no cars behind me. So we just get to talking with him. And, and one of the things when you go hiking in the Grand Canyon, especially in the, hunt, in the summertime, when it's like you feel like you're on the surface of the sun because it's 114 degrees outside, you know. And one of the things that they say is that you don't even notice how much water you're losing and you just need to continually drink. And so their recommendation is you drink when you're not thirsty. You drink before you're thirsty. You drink before you're thirsty. They've actually found people that died of thirst with half a canteen full of water because it's like they were saving it. How many Christians are going through life and they're not drinking until it's like 9-11, oh my goodness, emergency, help us, and then I'll finally drink. You know, I, I know, I know one thing about drinking water. I drank a lot of water that day. All of us drank a lot of water that day. You know, the next day I woke up, it was the craziest thing. I was thirsty again. We had to go buy another whole case of water. That's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time filling. It's a continual filling. Rivers, not a pond, not a lake, not something stagnant, not a one-time. Rivers of living water. What are you thirsty for today? What are you thirsty for? All right, so the baptisms. We talked about it a little bit uh, over the last few weeks. I'm just going to do a quick recap for those that are just kind of taking a seat and pulling up to this conversation. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2 says this. Hebrews 6, verse 1 two, through 2 says this. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. So he's saying, the writer of Hebrews is saying, there's, I'm going to list out some elementary principles this is like basic. This is like grade school. This is kindergarten. This is, this is basic understanding, okay? Let, the elementary, what is he talking about? Not laying again the foundation. So this is a foundational principle that we should learn as infant Christians. Repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Baptisms, plural. 
So there's multiple baptisms. So we talked about that last week. We talked about what are the baptisms, and there's three baptisms. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to understand, is a separate event than receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation. My, uh, one of my nieces is celebrating her birthday, and she happens to be here today. Jetty, come up front with Uncle Jeff. Come on up front, honey. Right now, I'm ordering you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I love you, honey. So I could, I could give Jetty this water. You receive the water. Jetty could take a drink. I don't recommend it. I don't know whose water that is. But Jetty, you could take a drink of that water. Okay, that's one thing. Now, it'd be another thing if I took this cap off, right, and I just started dumping water all over Jetty and baptized her in water, right? It's different. So when you're, when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. You received it. It's another thing to drink from the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I won't pour it on you. I love you, honey. All right, you can give it up for my niece. So it's a separate event. Why do we know this? How do we know this? I, I, I read online some different teachings in the course of my studies. I wanted to see what kind of different, maybe some different camps of Christianity <laughs> had to say about this. And some of them said, no, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit when you're saved. And I, I don't care if somebody's got, you know, 10 letters behind their name, PhD, MDiv, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm like, show me in the scriptures, boss. And when they cited different scriptures, their hermeneutics, their Bible. I was like, how are you so smart, yet you don't see what's so plain in the scriptures? So plain in the scriptures. So I'm going to take you, rather than listen to PhD guy, I'm going to take you into what Jesus said. So John 20, verse 20. So Jesus, this is after Jesus had, it was resurrected. So he decides, he walks up to the prayer meeting where they're all praying, and he's like, I'm not going to use the door. I'm just going to show off how cool I am right now. And he's like, Zhoop. And he just jumps into the middle of their prayer meeting. And then Jesus says this. He, he shows them his hands in his side. And they were glad when they saw the Lord. They're like, it's you. He's like, yeah. So they look at my hands. And they're like, wow. So, so the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't exactly know what that looked like. Some speculate what it looked like, that he went to individual ones. All these different ones. Or if he just went, receive the Holy Spirit. We don't know exactly what that looked like, but what we do know is Jesus said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? He breathed on him. The Holy Spirit is the of God. He breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. But then what did he do? He told them, I'm going to send you. A lot of people think, the Great Commission is all about going and sending. Yes, it is, but after you wait. So he says, go, but he says, but before you go, wait. And here's why. Acts 1, 4 through 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them, you know what? Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wait, I thought Jesus, I, I, according to PhD guy, online, super Christian, I, I thought Dr. So-and-so, I, I thought I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was saved. Well, you don't understand. I actually, what Jesus meant there 
what Jesus meant there, brother, what Jesus just said right here. He said, don't go. I breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit. Did they receive the Holy Spirit? They received the Holy Spirit. If Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, they received the Holy Spirit. But then he tells them to wait, okay? Why? Because there was a separate baptism, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he says, it's not going to be many days from now. And there was a purpose in the timing for that that coincided with the festivals. We unpacked that a few weeks ago. And then Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so they received power. This ends up being fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, the famous day of Pentecost, right? So the, Acts chapter 2, by the way, is only just, it's, it's like a month and a half, two months after Peter was afraid to tell a little girl at a campfire that he knew Jesus. He's like, I don't even know the guy. And he cusses about it. He's like, I don't blankety blank know him. Like, because he was so afraid that this little girl would tell on him, that he would get brought in, that he would be killed just and flogged, just like he was watching Jesus. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, and the guy is like, Clark Kent turned into Superman. Like, he, like what the heck? We're going to get into it next week about speaking in tongues because there's so many uh, different thoughts about that and wrong teachings. And we're just going to unpack what the Bible says about having a heavenly language, the purpose behind it, etc. I hope you'll plan to be here next week. Bring your friends. It's going to be an awesome time. We're going to unpack it, explain it, and not just explain it in a way that we can understand it. My goal is always that anything that we share here is something I can, if I want it to be portable, right? It's something where you feel I could rip Jeff's sermon in the, in the break room tomorrow and share with my friends. I could take this and re-explain it to somebody when they ask me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That, that, I, I want to make it so simple. Jesus was a master teacher, but he was taking parables and concepts and sharing it, and then he'd confuse some, and then the ones that were really hungry, then he would share what was on his heart to share. And so Peter goes from being this, this weenie that's afraid of a little girl at a campfire to suddenly he's walking in boldness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.13 says this. The members of the council, so, so Peter and John get brought because they're spreading all this good news about Jesus, and so the religious leaders are like, snap, we gotta put this, we gotta shut this down. We gotta shut down these meetings that these guys are having. And so the, the, the religious leaders, the council, they gather them together, and they, they, it says they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men, no special training in the scriptures, and they recognized they'd been with Jesus. They talk alike, they look alike, why? How were they sharing what they shared? Because the Holy Spirit was speaking through them. The Holy Spirit was empowering them to do what they could not do on their own. You look at the Christian life and you're like, Jesus, it's impossible. There's no way I could do that. He's like, I know. That's why I gave you the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Just like when they, they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Can I ask you, when was the last time somebody was amazed at your boldness? When was the last time you were amazed at your boldness? Where you were like, oh, I feel nervous to do what I'm about to do, to say what I'm about to say, to pray what I'm about to pray. When was the last time you were amazed at taking a stand for Christ, sharing the love of Christ, praying for that stranger? When was the last time you were amazed at your own boldness where you're like, whoa, Jesus, that was you. Because <laughs> I know me, and that was not me. 
that responded that way, that was you. I want to encourage you, be refilled, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. People, people say, man, how do you have so much energy and stamina and what have you? Now, I granted, I'm kind of wired with a little bit of energy. I get it. Um, I feel like I was shot out of a cannon at birth, my parents would say. Um, so there's a little bit of energy there, but I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit empowers me. He powers us. The Holy Spirit gives you peace. The Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. It's not charismania or craziness and Pentecostal whatever that you might have seen where you're like, whoa, that seems odd. No, no, no. It's the close, intimate fellowship of the counselor coming in and you're praying and you're like, I don't know what to do with schooling for my kids. And you begin to pray in the spirit and then he gives you wisdom. Should I marry this person? Should I not marry this person? Pray in the Holy Spirit and he tells you what to do. I'm really struggling at work today. I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on. Lord, I'm, I feel confused, and you're not the author of confusion. Pray in the Holy Spirit. One of the best things you can do is just go take a prayer walk. Just go walk and just pray. Talk to God. Pray in the Holy Spirit. So what changed in Peter's life? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last week, just a real quick recap, we talked about the three baptisms. The three baptisms were this. Number one, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. We see that. When you're saved, you get snatched out of the kingdom of darkness and you're baptized into his glorious light. You're part of the family of God. Number two, the second baptism is when a disciple baptizes you in water. One of my, one of my best friends is here, my, my, my niece who I brought up front, her dad. I remember baptizing him in water. Uh, when, when he came back to the Lord. And it was such an awesome moment. Any disciple can baptize somebody. And, and so we baptized him in water years ago. And number three, Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Water baptism, you look around the body of Christ and it's like some sprinkle, some dip, some fully immerse, some do kids, some don't do kids, adults. Not Jesus is like, you. if I leave the baptism of the Holy Spirit up to you, you're gonna screw it up. I'm gonna do the baptizing. <laughs> Whoosh, right? Matthew 3.11, Jesus is the one who baptizes. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but this is John talking, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Out of the, Holy, out of the three baptisms, the Holy Spirit is the least understood and the most uh, misunderstood, most uh, least taught about person of God. So what is the baptism of the, Holy, baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So the, to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, go back to the word baptism, baptizo. So we have that on a slide. Baptizo in the Greek is to immerse, to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water. Like that testimony of one of our a uh, team that's serving in the kids' ministry, when he would come into worship and the Holy Spirit would move on him, he said, I, I just felt like I was being washed. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're gonna experience that there's just washing, there's a cleansing that happens. I don't know about you, but even if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit one time, it's not a one-time event because we leak. <laughs> we leak. I, I, I leak goodness. And sometimes I, I leak so much that I'm empty and then I don't respond really good. <laughs> I sound more like old Jeff rather than, the, the, the new Jeff, I don't, I don't and, and certainly not the pastor Jeff, right? There's a, if I leak too much, it, it can get ugly. But being refilled in the Holy Spirit, you have the grace, you have kindness, compassion. It doesn't ruffle your feathers because you spent time in the presence of God. And I just want to encourage you during this season, 
man, seek after his presence. Don't leave your prayer closet. Don't leave your prayer time until you feel that, that of his spirit come upon you. And so to be baptized, uh, go to the next slide. So to be baptized in, in salvation water and the Holy Spirit is to be fully immersed. So at salvation, you're fully immersed into the body of Christ. Welcome to the family. In water, when you're water baptized by a disciple, you're fully immersed. In the Holy Spirit, you are fully immersed. And I want to give you this definition of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when Jesus fully immerses us in the Holy Spirit. Just as the believer is fully immersed in water by a disciple with regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus fully immerses you in the Spirit of God. Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are endowed with power from on high to live out the Christian life boldly with signs, miracles, and wonders. So question, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit a separate event from salvation? Yes. Is it separate from water baptism? Yes. Pretty clear in Scripture. So if the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate event, the next question is, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for everyone? Yes. The answer is yes. Let's jump into Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. So this is over 800 years before Christ walks on the face of the earth, okay? This is about 850 years before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Does it say all flesh? I think it says all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, so your, your young ones, they're going to prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Come on. If you feel old but you're still seeing vision, you're a young man according to Scripture, Okay. He says, even on the male and the female servants in those days, plural, I will pour out my spirit. Not on that day, the day of Pentecost. Some people think that the only time the Holy Spirit was poured out was on the day of Pentecost. The problem is that they don't read other scriptures throughout the book of Acts where they prayed and the Holy Spirit filled them and they began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. He says, in those days when Christ came, he ushered in the government from the kingdom of heaven, the Holy Spirit as the governor, and we are in those days when the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all of us, plural. So who pours out his spirit? God does. Acts 2.39. For the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit, it's for you. It's for your children. It's for all who are afar off. Well, all who are afar off, that means they weren't at the day of Pentecost. They weren't in Jerusalem on that day if they're far off. And who else can receive the Holy Spirit? Everyone whom the Lord God calls himself. Everyone, all. You see these in scriptures. And throughout the book of Acts, when people experience salvation, they also experience water baptism, and they also experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, we live in a world right now where our currency is going down, 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 down. And people are going into crypto, and man, if if you got into Bitcoin at the wrong time, I'm so sorry for you. (laughs) It can be ugly looking at your portfolio some days. But there's a currency in heaven. The currency of heaven is faith. You obtain things by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, it's, 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 it's the, the, the hall of faith. It's, it's, it's the great hall of faith of all the, all the greats in the, in the Old Testament that you read about. And it says in 11 verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Luke 11, Jesus teaches the, the famous prayer, the disciples' prayer. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really better named the disciples' prayer, and he teaches them how to pray. 
at the end of teaching them how to pray, this comes up in verse 10. He says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. What's he talking about? He's talking about praying, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Let me show you. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is Jesus giving a promise that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God's going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's not going to give you some fake Holy Spirit. He's not going to give you a demonic spirit. He's going to give you his Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying this, and he's talking about the children of God. He's not talking about the people in the world. He's talking about the children of God asking for the Holy Spirit. We have to remember that you and I were spiritual beings having a human experience. You're not a human being having a spiritual experience. No, no, no. When you come into worship, when worship hits and you suddenly stop thinking about all the stuff in life that's going on and all you can behold is his glory, that, that's, that's, you begin to walk in the, the, the native language. You begin to walk in what you were designed for, in that close fellowship with God, and you begin to worship, man. The Holy Spirit fills the place. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. You're not a human being having a spiritual experience. So how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask Isaac to come up and join me as we close out today. I'm just going to share a few things. It's a bit of a setup for next week. So if you want more information, you get to come next week. (laughs) We're going to unpack this a lot more. So how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Let me first say, what prohibits the baptism of the Holy Spirit? People say, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I feel like I haven't gotten it, or I don't know, like, Okay, honest question would be, is there anything in your life that might be stopping the flow, right? Is there any, anything in your life where God has a well of revival that he wants to break out these rivers of living water, but you have put a boulder in front of it, okay? And there's three different key areas. This could be a whole teaching in and of itself, but the main one is sin. If you have sin in your life, you'll stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. Why? He's the Holy Spirit. When sin entered the world, the Holy Spirit exited earth. Okay, when at the first sin in the garden, there was close fellowship. And then when Adam and Eve sinned, when sin entered the world, the Holy Spirit exited. And from that time on, he would just come and go, come and go. But he wouldn't come and dwell on any person until Jesus. If you have sin in your life, you need to confess and repent. Repent. Man, I realize, Lord, you've been... That, that, that feeling that I have, I, I, I thought it was some like guilty conscience thing, but that's actually your Holy Spirit telling me, telling me, don't do that anymore. Okay, Lord, will you forgive me? Would you, Jesus, I, I receive you right now. Would you just forgive me, cleanse me again? Second area is pride, which is also sin. <laughs> Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper. Pride says, I don't need the help. Pride says, I don't need the Holy Spirit. I'm good. I'm saved, water baptized. I don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit thing. I don't understand that. And then you reduce God down to what you only understand, which is the same ridiculous arguments that people hear from atheists. Well, I can't fully understand and comprehend God. 
so I'm not going to follow him. Your, your line, that same logic, that, that line of thought that you're going down, that's the same logic that an atheist used to not believe in God at all. And you're using it to the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not telling you, take my word for it. Get in the Bible, just like we're doing today. Read it. Meditate on it. Ask him. Pray. The third area is unbelief. Lack of faith, understanding in scriptures. Nobody's taught you, or maybe they taught you wrong. Maybe you're like PhD, MDiv guy that I read online, and there was a number of them. And they're like, the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened at salvation. Cool. But Jesus said to stay and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Paul, 24 years after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 19, he meets some people, and they're disciples, it says. It's not like they were unbelievers. They were disciples. This is in Ephesus. They, 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 they get baptized, water baptism. And then what happens, he lays their hand, his hands on them, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a separate thing. It's a separate event. So what's more important, to not grieve the Holy Spirit or to quench the Holy Spirit? It's <laughs> another. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, it's more about character. When you quench the Holy Spirit, it's about power. He wants to release his power in you and through you. So how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Number one, you ask for it. Ask for it. Who does the baptizing of the Holy Spirit? Do you remember? Go ahead, class, answer. Jesus, right? Who does the, who does the baptizing of the Holy Spirit? Jesus does. So you just ask him, Jesus, would you baptize me in your Holy Spirit? Baptize me with the Holy Spirit currency of heaven is just taking that step of faith right I'm, I'm, I'm reading I'm, I'm, I'm learning I, I don't understand everything Lord I don't understand everything that Pastor Jeff is sharing but man I, I want all of you all that you have I want all of you everything if, if you got something for me I want it you said if I asked you for the Holy Spirit that you're not going to give me something else if, if a son asked for bread you wouldn't give me a scorpion like so I, I'm asking you Lord would you fill me with your Holy Spirit so number one you asked for it Number two, through the laying on of hands. Allow somebody to pray for you. Throughout the scriptures, you see when Paul, in, in Acts 19, verse 6, I think it's up on a slide, and Paul, Paul is meeting those believers in Ephesus, he laid his hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. Ask somebody, would you, would you pray for me? Laying on of hands. And then the third thing, and this is where most people miss it. Most people miss it because they're embarrassed or they're venturing out into the unknown and it feels maybe a little bit uncomfortable. The third area to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you got to open your mouth. It says that the Holy Spirit came upon them, but they spoke in other tongues. It didn't say the Holy Spirit spoke in other tongues. It's not that the Holy Spirit's going to grab your tongue and be like, ah, like, he's not going to do that. He wants to speak through you, okay? You're not going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and not be able to contain it where you're just going to suddenly, you know, be walking into Starbucks and you're just going to get on a table and start yelling and screaming in tongues or something. Like, that's, that's Kara's weirdo. Like, that, that's not happening, okay? That's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just as the spirit of prophecy, the prophet is subject to the, the prophecy is subject to the prophet, you can control it. Just like you can control speaking in English. Just like you can control praying when you pray and opening your mouth. Or thinking in your mind. Sometimes I pray in the spirit just in my mind. I've been in meetings in the business world where, man, I do not know the answers that this guy is asking. And I'm just sitting there and in my mind, I'm just like, oh, shit. praying in tongues. I'm just praying in the spirit. As I'm sitting there in the meeting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But my mind's like, 
Just praying in the spirit. On our drive back, you know, we had like 20 hours in a car, me and my boys. A lot of the time we prayed in the spirit. We'd, we'd start off the drive and we'd just be praying. And, Guys, let's just start. Let's, let's just pray in the spirit. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love your stinking guts. I love you. I love you. I love you. Let's pray in the spirit. We just begin to pray and worship. Had times. And then they're on their devices other times. It wasn't like this huge spiritual event the entire time. They're on their devices playing games and doing whatever. And as they're playing, I'm just praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. God wants to release rivers of living water to flow through you in your home. He it wants, to, it wants it to be a bubbling fountain, a bubbling fountain, that close fellowship, the counselor that he wants to send, the helper, receive his help, receive his help. Why don't we all stand as we close out today? If you're here today and you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. If you want to be refilled in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, pray this prayer. It's really simple. It's just coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, will you baptize me? Will you fill me? So let's just pray this prayer. If you want to pray with me, Jesus, would you baptize me fresh today? Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Fill me. Overflowing. Let rivers of living water pour through me. I pray that you would baptize me in your Holy Spirit, Lord, with the evidence of speaking in tongues and prophecy, like we just read about. Lord, baptize and fill me today in Jesus' name. And then you just begin to praise him. You just begin to worship him. Colossians said they sang psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. What was the spiritual songs? They were singing in tongues. They were singing in their prayer language. It wasn't for interpretation. It wasn't to take control of a meeting and say, thus saith the Lord in tongues. No, no, no. They're just worshiping and praising and praying in the Spirit. There's just a beautiful heavenly language that God has given to us. And the heavenly language was given to you before you learn to speak English, you're just reacquainting yourself with the language of heaven that God has given to you. That baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you begin to, it just bubbles up. You just begin to pray. You begin to worship. Oh, I love you, I love you, Lord. And you just begin to worship in your prayer time to Him. And He begins to move. In your heart and in you, you feel the closeness. You sense the closeness and you begin to speak and pray and praise and thank him. And you don't know what to pray all the time. There's situations you walk into and you're like, I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to pray. How do I pray for my sister who's sick and battling this? How do I pray for my marriage when this is going? How do I pray? I don't even know how to pray for my job right now. There's so many moving parts that are out of my control. I don't even know how to pray for my marriage today. God, I don't know how to pray. Pray in the spirit and the spirit comes and says I know what to say I'm going to lead you in prayer I'm going to help you pray in this situation 
So God, we thank you for baptizing and filling us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for a fresh desire. God, let it be, God, that it's been said of us like, like those disciples that were on the road to Emmaus and they said, did, our not, did not our hearts burn within us as he unpacked and shared the scriptures? God, let our hearts burn inside of us for the things that we've heard and seen and read today. God, I pray that our hearts would be burning, that we would burn with a passion for your Holy Spirit, God, that you would baptize us with fresh fire, that there would be liver, rivers of living water that would flow through us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we just give God praise? Thank you, Lord. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.